But I just want to pull out a couple of things that really spoke to me. You know, Jesus, he's caught by people who are trying to trap him. And they, they want to trap him into either saying that he supports the Romans or into saying that he supports the Jews against the Romans. And then one way or the other, they've got him. And Jesus says, show me a coin. Whose head is on it? It's Caesar's. They say, well, give to Caesar what is Caesar's and give to God what belongs to God. And uh, it's, it's a lovely picture that we are participating in God's world actively. But we're also participating in a world which is subject to an enemy power. Let me just give you a, a couple of, let me just try and bring that to life for you. God's world, he, it's, he put himself into it, he put us into it to make it good, for it to be good and for us to enjoy. And everything that we've got, all of our creative gifts, all of our passion, our lives are given to sow into the world to make it good for everyone. That's what Sid was talking about, more or less, uh, a couple of weeks ago. But that's right, isn't it? God's world, the way that we participate in God's world is we are working with him to make it wonderful. That's one part of it. The second part, though, we are participating in a world that's part of, subject to, enemy power. That coin that had Caesar on it, the most brutal empire, perhaps, that the world's ever known perhaps apart from our own, Um, but a very, very brutal empire. And all of the coin was all about building the wealth of that empire. If we look on a five-pound note, what does it say on the five-pound note? I promise to pay the bearer five pounds, signed governor of the Bank of England. We are exchanging pieces of paper which are debt on behalf of the Bank of England And the Bank of England's got lots of lovely gold in its vault. And that gold is all about building, building power and funding war and, uh, and, and taking control, taking back control. That's what. So every time we participate in money, we're part of a system that's based on something that's fallen. We know enough history to know where that gold came from. It doesn't make me feel very good, I have to say. So, so. So there's two, there's, well, it's not two sides of the coin, but there, there, there are two systems that we're participating in, and Jesus held up that coin to show it. So I just wanted to say two things that we can do. One is about that, the, 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 the fallen, the fallen bit. So um, we, we, we have to, we, we, we're, not, we're not living in a kind of, a, we're not living in a cooperative where we all kind of share stuff and there's no money. We have, we need to have some money to survive. And I guess Jesus was acknowledging that a little bit when he's saying, you know, you are in Caesar's world. You have to participate. But there are some really simple things that we can do with our money. One thing that I feel very, very exercised about is your bank, my bank. What, what, what? It's a mini version of the Bank of England. If your bank is one of the big banks, my bank is one of the big banks, you can guess which one it is. If your bank is one of the big banks, then your money and other money that's in that bank is funding armaments, um, it's funding fossil fuel extraction, it's funding agricultural practices that are bad for this planet. And you've got a choice, you can move, we can all move. I haven't moved yet, but I really felt the Holy Spirit speaking to me this morning and saying, it's a really simple thing you can do, move to a bank that doesn't 
do that. Cooperative Bank is a really nice example, lots of us will know. Um, check that it's a profitable bank before you put any savings into it. Um, that's something very important to note. Triodos is another one, but you can just search ethical banking and you'll find there are simple ways that you can change the way that you interface with a financial system and you are giving a little bit less to Caesar. You are participating more in a way of doing money that is good for our planet. So that's something about the kind of the, 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 the Caesar bit, the enemy bit that our world is subject to. But let me go back to the good, the good call that God's put on our lives. God says that I've put you in the world to multiply, to make it fruitful. And every single seed that we sow from our lives, whether it's our money, whether it's our time, whether it's kindness, it's friendship, it's creativity, our gifts, anything that we give back redemptively to restore our planet is the most amazing act of worship. And anything that we can do is just awesome. So... That, I think, is what the Holy Spirit wanted me to say. And uh, you can read it with longer words and better, better explanation on Roger Hayden Mitchell's blog. But I just thought that was uh, awesome. So there we go. Right, on to the preach. I've got 17 minutes. In a nutshell, the preach today, it's a hard passage, but it's about loving Jesus. That's what all of this is. It's just about loving Jesus. And people came to see Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. He didn't look much like this, but it's the best picture that I could find. Um, People came, uh, ordinary people, and they're really, really challenged by what Jesus was saying. They, They found it hard as well because he was talking into a system that had broken down and was no longer reflecting the way that God wanted people to live. So they found it challenging, but they stayed. Otherwise, it wouldn't be four chapters. Uh, They stayed. They were drawn to it. They loved hearing what Jesus was saying. It was so exciting uh, for them. And so I just want to pray that as we get into uh, today's passage, we, our hearts rise, we're excited, we're inspired by uh, what Jesus can do. So let's just quickly pray. Lord Jesus, thank you that your words are truth and life. And we hear your words and we're convicted by them. We know that we're not living up to them, but we're excited, we're inspired. We know that it's good and we want to get hold of more of your goodness. Uh, Speak to us, we pray. Speak to our lovely youth over at Carity Wood this morning. Holy Spirit, we want to see your face and be changed. Amen. Amen. Right, I want to start. This is the start now. I want to start with a prophetic word that Susie had for us last week. We did a lovely creative. Oh, I've got the clicker. We had a lovely, did a lovely creative thing uh, in um, uh, in the children's group uh, towards our Christmas uh, invitation, Christmas service invitation, and so we were doing this lovely creative thing. And Susie said, "God's glory is like shiny sweets." I just loved this. The poetry of it, the beauty of it, the simplicity of it, the power of it. But God's glory is like shiny sweets. Um, God's, God's so big and so good, and it just goes past our ability to explain. It goes past our, our capacity to imagine, doesn't it? But that's how big it is. And I found myself thinking of a giant box of Cadbury's roses with all the lovely crinkly, can you feel the crinkle? The crinkle of that cellophane, all the different colors, all the different flavors. Well, that's a bit like just the richness Um, the richness of God, all of that explosion of color and taste, that's what 
God is like. God's glory is like shiny sweets. And this is my own shiny sweet. Uh, it's meant to be sort of a shiny sweet and sort of a comet as well, trying to get the idea of uh, the universe. Because how do we see the richness of God's glory given to us? We see, you know, the, the creation. It's incredible. It's amazing. It's vast. And yet, it's tiny in a universe that's vast. We see all of that. The human body. We see how God has made us fearfully and wonderfully made. Um, it's just incredible, absolutely incredible. And of course, there's God's most extravagant gift of making us children of God, friends of Jesus, filling us with his Holy Spirit. And, uh, you know, giving is central to the heart of God. He's got all of this, all these shiny sweets, and he wants to give them to us. He just loves giving them to us. And that's uh, what is happening in the Sermon on the Mount. God's just talking, or Jesus is just talking about it. So we had the passage before, so I won't read it again, uh, but it's very, 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 very wonderful. I'm going to come back to it lots. Um, I thought I would put it in perspective by giving us a little bit of a giving timeline, okay? So this is my timeline. I did not get this from a theologian, um, but I, uh, it's how I find myself thinking about giving. And, you know, God's history of giving to humanity, it starts off with the gift of creation. It's just amazing, isn't it? And very shortly afterwards, we, people, start giving thank offerings back to God. We're just so amazed by it. We say thank you. We say thank you. You've got Abel saying thank you to God. You've got Noah giving thank offerings to God. We want to say thank you because it's so, so good. You've got the gift of land. God gives Abraham and then Jacob um, a land, a place where you can rest, a place where you can prosper, a place where you can enjoy all of my goodness. Um, And actually, if you look through the Old Testament, there are something like 1,500 mentions of the word giving. That Most of that are saying, I'm giving you this land. He really, really, really wants them to enjoy good places. The gift of freedom, they have a period of slavery, and God gives them freedom. Oh, Susie, you're there. I didn't see you were here. It was amazing. I look so wonderful. So really, really awesome. Um, okay, the gift of freedom in Exodus. Oh, it's just wonderful. Imagine being slaves for 400 years or something like that, and then receiving freedom. Wonderful. Then God starts to give uh, the law, and he gives them instructions for tithes, giving a tenth of everything that you are, is the fruit of your labor. Give a tenth of all of it to me, he says. But he doesn't just kind of cap it at that. He's not saying, this is what you have to do. He says, I would like you to give a tenth, but I'm, I'm giving you space to give me more. Give me more. Give me your freedom offerings. Give me your love offerings. Give whatever you want. You can respond freely. You are not capped at how much you give to God. Give, give, give. And all of this giving is rooted in festivals. So it's so fantastic. We know Jewish people have festivals, but you know the whole point of it was they'd have this time of all coming together and loads of sacrifices and loads of worship, loads of dancing, loads of feasting, really, really masses and masses of eating. Um, and uh, yeah, awesome. We've got to celebrate. We've received. We've given back. It's a flow, and it's just amazing. Um, okay, giving to the poor. God says, "There's all this plenty. I'm giving you plenty. There is no place in my plentiful creation and the plentiful place that I've given you. There's no place for poverty. So you want to look after anybody who is less fortunate. Brilliant." 
at this point, my timeline starts to go a little bit sour. What happens next? Okay, discouragement from receiving God's gifts. So Moses sends spies into the promised land. It's incredible. It's got a bunch of grapes so big that, you know, it kind of touches the ground if it's carried at shoulder height. It's huge. It's vast. The spies come back and they say, don't, don't go in. Don't take hold of it. It's not worth it. Um, And this is what the enemy does, isn't it? He discourages us from receiving God's gifts all the time. All through the Old Testament, king after king after king discourages people from entering into the fullness of what God has for his people. Giving shabby gifts. Okay, this is in Malachi. And uh, people are giving, people are giving uh, animals that ha- have no value to them to be their sacrifices. Because it's become a legalistic thing. I'm going to give my sacrifice. I'm going to get all right with God. And it doesn't matter if it's something, if it's, you know, a sheep that's nearly dead already. Or it's something that has no value to me. I've given something. That's kind of all that matters. Giving shabby gifts. Giving themselves to idols. This is in Hosea. Uh, God says, you've given your whole self, you've given your families, you've given your whole self to worshipping idols. And it's just, it's, 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 it's like the end. It's the, it's the absolute worst. And into this world where all of this lovely giving and all of this fullness and richness has got polluted, the enemy's got in and has really, really spoilt it, we have God's ultimate gift, don't we? Jesus comes in. We've got the birth of Jesus, and this is the chance to really reset what, um, what our relationship with God is. Just going to turn my page. So, looking at the passage, God is a giver. He really, really loves to give. And God invades all of our measly kind of giving and receiving and says, it's this big. This is how much I love you. This is how much I want to give you. And giving is central to our relationship with him, what he gives us and what we give back to him as, as thanks and, and really extravagant worship. And I think that's why we're so challenged about giving, because it's so central If the enemy can spoil that, he really gets at the heart of our relationship with God. And we've got to keep focusing on Jesus and those shiny sweets, the richness of God's glory, because that's what God's like. And if we can see God's face, then then these words of Jesus, uh, I think, make our hearts lift. Right. Let's have a look at some of the pictures that Jesus gives us about giving. Okay, so here's a parable that Jesus told, and it's really similar to the passage that we had today. Um, He talks about a Pharisee who's got great confidence in himself. I give my tithe. I, uh, I fast twice a week. The Pharisee is, is, is full of confidence in himself. But the tax collector is really, really different. The tax collector comes in and says, have mercy on me, I'm a sinner. And the tax collector meets Jesus because his heart is right. His heart is right. And Jesus says, it's the heart that I'm interested in. I'm not interested in amounts. I'm interested in hearts. And isn't that wonderful? Our God is interested in hearts. Uh, And I really, really love that. Next picture is of a widow who gives everything that she has. And what I really love about this story is 
It's a real story. It's not a parable, a story that Jesus told. She is a real person. She is a real woman. They're in the temple, and they see her doing this. And one day, we're all going to be queuing up in heaven behind millions of other people, wanting to ask her about this, because it's such an awesome story. But she gives everything she has. And in our passage today, it says, your father sees everything. And I just think that's so, so powerful, because it's it's, it's our relationship with God, and it's our heart, and it's how we see God. That's the place that we're able to give from. And it's just, it's just us and God. And that's, that's, that's what happens with her, and I will be very keen to find out the rest of her story. So I put it in a slightly different way. Our generosity flows from our relationship with God. It does, doesn't it? We can't, we, we can't be generous forever um, without God's help. But our generosity flows from our relationship with God. And this is what Paul says in Philemon. He says, put into action the generosity that comes from your faith as you understand and experience all the good things we have in Jesus. It's because we understand and experience all the good things that we have in Jesus that we can be generous so, so wonderful. He is so good to us. Um, this is Timoth Paul to Timothy. Don't trust in money, which is so unreliable. Our trust should be in God, who richly gives us all we need. Use your money to do good. Be rich in good works and generous to those in need. It's so exciting. We're not doing this because like, we feel guilty or we feel we should or we saw somebody else do it. We're doing it because we know how good God is and we want to respond to that. And out of the goodness that we've received, we've got riches that we can, um, that we can give back, that we want to give back to him. Okay, some other pictures that Jesus gave us. Here's lovely Zacchaeus. And uh, what a great way to show the calling on our lives. We're called to live lives of extravagant worship. Extravagant worship. And that's what Zacchaeus does, doesn't he? He's rehabilitated into society. He's forgiven by Jesus. And his heart just bursts open. And he repays people four times what... um, what they owed him, what, what, he'd, what he'd stolen from them, rather. And I was thinking about this, thinking, why is it only four times? I was thinking, well, is it because that was all that he had? Presumably, I've always thought about this, where did he get four times from? Because he'd stolen stuff from people, but like, he was either a really super investor, or, um, I don't know, I haven't got it, but may, so it makes me think, he, he, I reckon he pretty much gave everything, everything. He just gave it all back. But anyway, whatever, four times is a huge, huge amount of money. But that's the sort of the extravagant response. That was the extravagant response to, uh, to, what, uh, to what Jesus does in his life. Right, here's another one. David, okay, dancing before the Lord. David has just been, he's so excited because the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God, is back with the people. And the first thing he does is he gives a loaf of bread, a cake of dates, and a cake of raisins to everybody in the country. So if if that was now, that would be 60 million loaves of bread, cakes of dates, and cakes of raisins. That's at least like 200 million pounds. It's a big gift. 
But he's so happy, he gives the gift. And then out of that extravagance, he worships, maybe with less on than in this lovely classical picture. Um, but it's a sacrifice. That's, that's, what, uh, that's, what it's, that's what it's like. And, um, and, you know, he unlocks stuff, uh, not just in the nation, um, but in, uh, in, his, in his personal life as well, by being just 100% given uh, to giving back to God. My last one I wanted to show is Mary anointing Jesus' feet, giving up this hugely expensive gift of perfume. And uh, it really, really offends people because it's such a huge gift. But is it inappropriate in Jesus' eyes? It's not, is it? No gift is ever inappropriate in the eyes of Jesus. Isn't that so wonderful? So wonderful. But it's her response. She loves Jesus so much. She acknowledges who he is in worship. She gives, she gives back to him. And uh, we're called to live lives of extravagant worship like these people. We're called to uh, do things that are embarrassing and difficult as an outpouring of how much we love Jesus. So that's pretty cool. So what does Jesus say about giving? Oh, I thought this would be the time for a bit of energy in the room and a bit of audience participation. So um, has anyone got any thoughts? What does Jesus say about giving, apart from what's in the passage? We've had that already. You can't do that. Um, what, what else does Jesus say about giving? Anything. It doesn't matter. This is where my mind always goes completely blank. Yeah, yeah, later. Go for it. That's fine. One thing you just said, said there, I just wrote it down. Um, I've already got one like that. Say kids when they've got one. Said Jesus never when we give to him. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, that's so wonderful. That is beautiful. Thank you. Anything else that Jesus says to us about giving? Any ideas? Shall I, in the interest of time, okay, right, I've woken everyone up with the fear factor. Uh, I will tell you, I'll give you the answers. What does Jesus say about giving? Give generously, he says. Loads and loads of stuff about giving generously. I haven't got the same thing. Sometimes things are repeated in the different Gospels. I've only done it once in each case. But give generously, and your gift will return to you, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more. Um, uh, right, sorry, the battery's come out. Um, okay, uh, John very much got Jesus' heart, says, uh, if you have two shirts, give one to the poor. If you have food, share it with those who are hungry. Give your coat. If somebody's suing you for something, just give them, give them more. Give generously. This is very radical. Um, give as freely as you've received. We've received so much from God. Uh, give as freely as you've received. Um, to those who use well what they're given, even more will be given. Give to everyone. I really, really love this passage and this story. And if anybody has ever uh, heard Keith Green's song about the sheep and the goats, or you want to look it up on YouTube, uh, it's a very, very challenging uh, verse that we just kind of read through very quickly. But um, uh, we want to look after love and care for everyone because everyone is God's creation. What's next? Okay, clean the inside by giving to the poor. Actually, you know what? We live in a world that taints us and makes us feel greedy. That's what happened to the Pharisees. They loved God, but they were tainted by the world they lived in. Giving to the poor is a wonderful way of getting out the influence of the world. We talked about this. Give to God what belongs to God. Let's sow our lives into the world redemptively, just like Jesus sowed his life. And last of all, 
You cannot become my disciple without giving up everything you own. And Jesus says this quite a lot. Um, so I just uh, wanted to show some of the different things. Go and sell all your possessions. Give up your own way. Give up your house, brothers, sisters, mother, father, children, or property. Jesus says a lot about give me everything. I gave you everything uh, I'd like you to give me everything as well. So, it's challenging, isn't it? But maybe it's only challenging because our perspective has got skewed. And I thought about when someone gets married, they say, all that I am, I give to you. All that I have, I share with you. And I don't know that I've ever seen anybody pull a face when they're saying that. I don't know that I've ever heard anyone say that reluctantly. They're getting married. They're really happy to say, everything I've got is yours, aren't they? Um, if, you, um, if you're buying a house, I, you have to sign the mortgage deed, and that's sort of signing away everything. If things go wrong, everything's going to go. People count the cost, but they sign it, right? They sign it. It's worth it. And you're getting a home. You're getting a place where you can build dreams and stuff. It's worth it. What about a puppy? You're going to get a puppy. And you have that kind of like thing in your mind where you're thinking about the economics of it. And you're thinking, okay, we're going to spend this much on food. We're going to spend this much on vet's bills. We're not going to be able to dot, dot, dot. Everyone who got a puppy thought it was worth it, right? They were happy to get the puppy. They were happy to do without stuff. And I think our perspective with Jesus is the same, isn't it? We are happy. We are really happy that he loves us, that he's given himself to us. And so although our world perspective, our Caesar coin, is that I don't really, really want to do this, actually, we're happy. We're all in. We're signing on the dotted line. Uh, we're going to give everything to Jesus because he has given everything to us. So I just thought it would be really good to just pray um, and give us the chance to respond. Um, there's a point in Exodus where Moses anoints the Levites and he anoints their ear, he anoints their hand, and he anoints their feet. He anoints their ears because he's saying, I want these people to hear what God is saying. And he anoints their hands because he says, the way that they serve, I want to show what the kingdom of God is like. And he anoints their feet because he's saying, I want where they go to bring in the kingdom of God as well. And so that's what I want to pray for all of us as we're asking Jesus to help us um, move on in our adventure of giving him more in response to what he has given to us. So can we all pray? And I'm just going to pray for those three things. Lord Jesus, we want to thank you for everything that you've given to us. We took bread and wine this morning, and we remember, and it is wonderful, and you are wonderful. And we want, out of our hearts, to respond back and say, yes, it's worth it. It's worth giving you, um, giving you a portion of the fruit of our labor, giving you our love offerings, giving you uh, our free will offerings, giving our lives to you, Lord Jesus. You are worth it. And I want to pray for you to come and anoint our ears. Jesus, we want to hear what you have got to say to us about giving. We want to hear where there are still bits of our lives that are touching Caesar's coin 
and we want to touch the kingdom of heaven instead. So speak to us. Help us to hear where we can give you more of our worship, more of, more extravagantly of the fruit of our lives. And Jesus, we give you our hands. We say, come and anoint our hands. Come and anoint our lives for service. We want to, uh, we want to serve your world. We take seriously the challenge of planting um, the seed of the Holy Spirit into the world around us. Planting good seeds wherever we go. Good seeds in what we say. Good seeds in what we give. Good seeds in how we serve. Good seeds in how we listen. Good seeds in the creativity of our gifting um, that you've given us, which we allow you to seed back into your world. Lord Jesus, take our hands. Show us how you want us to serve. And last of all, Jesus, we ask you to come and anoint our feet. We're broccoli people. We're in broccoli. And maybe that's where you're asking us to go. Well, Jesus, show us where you want us to go. Show us what you want us to do, how you want us to live extravagantly, uh, giving and serving and loving your world. Maybe it's further than broccoli. Think of our lovely uh, Alison and Paul and Alice overseas. Um, serving you there. Lord Jesus, as they're giving with their lives in a different way, Lord Jesus, anoint them and anoint all of us in between. Jesus, show us where it is that you want us to go. We want to go and serve your world where you want us to be. And last of all, Jesus, thank you for every good word that you speak into our lives. You challenge us. You build us up. You show us how we can be working with you to build a better world. And we love, we love the sound of that. So Lord Jesus, show us what we can do with the Caesar coin, the stuff that's tainted. Show us how we can redeem it, how we can um, be part of uh, of a better way, uh, a better economy. And show us how we can respond to you Um, in love, freely, um, to the amazing love that you've shown us. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen.